All right, what's good? Welcome back to the Live Life Complex podcast. This is your host. My name is Diego, and today's episode is a Q&A episode. It's Friday, so on Fridays, we do a reflection either on the week or just some reflective thoughts that I may have on a certain aspect of the week that I just had or in life in general. So reflections or Q&A. Today's a Q&A and it's part two. Part one, I recorded last Monday. So it's the previous episode to this. Uh, definitely check that out. I think the topic was something along the lines of how to write a workout that is challenging and effective. So I gave my thoughts on that. It's about 10 minutes long. But today's episode, I'm going to be spending as much time as I feel like is needed to cover the remaining four questions that I've chosen. So thank you so much for submitting them once again. And let's get right into it. But before we do, I want to give a quick shout out. You know, if you enjoy the intro and outro music to this podcast, I would really love it. If you guys could go check out on Instagram, my best friend, Yasha Tafazoli at Crimson Child Music. He just released a music video for his new remix on a Bon Iver song. And I think it's amazing. I think he really deserves all the love that you can show him. So if you enjoy the intro and outro music, definitely go check out him. All right. Definitely go check him out on Instagram right now. Stop listening to the podcast. Pause. Go to Instagram, Crimson Child Music, uh, and then check out the link in his bio to watch the music video. And if you enjoy him, give him a follow. Uh, But I just would I would appreciate any sort of love I could send his way. So, you know, that's just an appreciation shout out. But without further ado, let's get right into the episode. A bit of a disclaimer before I get into the question, because I know I have a mixed audience. Not everyone listening is an athlete. So this question coming up is an athletic related question. I don't think it's going to be much use to anyone who doesn't actually play sports. But the next question will not be. So definitely just skip ahead and just skip this question if you're not an athlete. So the question is, I have a strong upper body, but I don't know how to use it in games. What should I do? So I had the same issue except the reverse. I had a very strong lower body in contrast to my upper body, which was very weak. And I think that if you have a strong upper body, but you don't know how to use it in games, I think that's the wrong question to be asking. I feel like it's you don't know how to use your lower body because if you have a strong upper body, it's very difficult for it to be translated and effective in a game if you're not able to utilize your lower body to its fullest potential. You know, I think doing basic exercises like the, you know, like bench and shoulder raises and bicep curls are great for definition and building that muscle, but you have to be able to also work on exercises that use that muscle that are translated well into games. So explosive movements like stuff with resistance bands and kettlebells, all those sort of exercises, you know, high intensity exercises, um, body weight exercises, all those things really help work on your body working as one rather than just an isolated movement. I'm not saying don't do bench or bicep curls because I definitely do. I do. I definitely focus on that just to build size and, uh, you know, definition because who doesn't like to look good either. Right. Uh, But I also have a personal trainer who helps me work on these sort of soccer specific or football specific uh, exercises. Um, And I think that having a personal trainer is very great on many different levels. I think one, it's motivation to actually go out and train at a high intensity. And I think the other one, they have knowledge that you probably don't have, uh, especially if it's a personal trainer related specifically to your sport, which I'm lucky to have and I'm lucky to have near nearby me. And, um, you know, if you're in Vancouver, check out Train Like an Athlete. I post a lot about them on my Instagram and I will probably make YouTube videos showing the a full routine that I would go through in a session uh, with them. So I definitely recommend getting a PT, even if not for just a week or two, so they can show you some exercises that you can apply to your routines on your own once you no longer train with them. But yeah, I guess in more relation to the question, in order to have a strong upper body and actually utilize it in games, you have to be able to use the power of your lower body to propel your upper body. 
And what I mean is like, let's say you're going for a 50-50, right? And you're going for the ball. If your legs aren't strong and can't, I guess, uh, create the power, the momentum through your body that will actually translate into your upper body, then your upper body is almost useless. You know, it's just kind of, it's almost making it worse for you because you, it's probably larger and you, you're you a little bit clumsier because you're not as you're not as nimble, essentially, right? But if you are able to use your body in unison and really work on, uh, having your legs work with your upper body and vice versa, then that'll translate really well onto the field. That's why body weight movements are great. Calisthenics are great. Just being able to use your body as one. If you look at gymnasts, their upper body and lower body are equally strong and equally support each other in this sort of balance. It's beautiful to watch. And I think the same thing should apply to footballers. I think just having a strong lower body is a mistake because there's a lot of wasted potential. So for those of you that don't have a strong upper body, I recommend start working that out, but don't just focus on bench, buys, whatever, like the isolated movements, really try to incorporate compound movements like pull-ups and uh, you know push-ups, a lot of body weight stuff you'll find as compound movements. And then you can start adding weight on top of it once you start mastering the body weight version. And trust me, this will translate really well into the game and you'll start noticing differences, but it does take time and hard work. So don't expect anything right away. Literally, it'll take years for you to notice significant differences. And don't get discouraged if you're not making significant weight gains because don't forget, you're not a bodybuilder. You're an athlete. You're a footballer. You're not necessarily wanting to put on too much mass because that will slow you down unless you're able to utilize that mass properly which requires a lot of training a lot of agility training uh but yeah just just focus on those compound movements and you'll start seeing results in your games i guess a few examples of that would be like if you're squatting rather than just doing a regular slow squat which is great for building muscle because you're breaking down those muscle fibers really well do an explosive squat or add an explosive movement at the end of it you know go down slow and then explode up that'll work on your explosive power and that'll translate really well onto the field you know if you're doing a push-up maybe instead of just doing regular push-ups do explosive push-ups because that way uh you know it'll translate well onto the field like i said everything's about translating well onto the field don't just focus on being a bodybuilder because that's not what you are unless of course you are but don't if you're a footballer so i guess the basis of the question's a bit um incorrect because you don't necessarily use your upper body in games because the question is like i don't know how to use it in games it's not like a tool that you use it's just a supplement to the to the rest of your performance you know it shouldn't be something that you're specifically expecting to gain results out of it's something that just supplements the rest of your game you know it's something that you can decide to use or decide not to use it needs to be working in unison with your lower body i know i've said that so many times already but it's so important it just, it just really is because you do see players out there who've got huge like very defined large muscles but they're clumsy because they haven't been able to incorporate both their upper body and their lower body into their exercises at home and or you know at the gym or whatever but uh yeah i mean you don't want to be that guy but having a strong upper body is great if you can know how to how to use it and by use it i mean if you know how to incorporate with your lower body and you know vice versa so that's my two cents on that. You know, I'm sure there's a lot of research that you can do if you can look up, you know, exercises for soccer players. I know a lot of YouTube channels have, you know, videos where they go to a PT and the of like a professional soccer team and they will, you know, ask them what exercises do their soccer players do and they show them. So definitely try to incorporate some of those and create a plan for yourself. And I think at the end of the day, working out on anything is better than nothing. So don't be overwhelmed by the different exercises out there. You know, pick three or four, create a circuit out of them or create a routine. You know, your, your routine is much better than doing nothing. There's no right or wrong way to exercise. There's no optimal way to exercise. It's only based off perspective. So, you know, don't be afraid to start 
start working out. And uh, for those of you that I'm not, this I'm not answering the question. Why I'm just talking in general to anyone listening that is has yet to work out because of the overwhelm of different possibilities out there. And you know, maybe I'm not doing the right sort of exercises. Honestly, whatever exercises you're doing are most of the time better. There's always some stuff that you can be doing that's detrimental to your you know to your progress there's definitely some exercises that are better to do off season than in season but you know that just requires some research on your end and all the information is out there you don't necessarily need to pay anyone for information anymore everything's out there it just requires diligence and 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 work uh, in the research area so that's my two cents on that first question it's a bit of a difficult one to answer because it's not very specific um but i feel like i gave i feel like i gave a decent answer I think at the end of the day, you just got to do your own research and there's only so much uh, truth to what one person has to give. You know, what my opinion is, isn't necessarily correct. It's not wrong either, but it's just also my opinion. So um, let's get right into the next question. This one's definitely not athletic related. Uh, so for all of you who are non-athletes, come back, join us and let's dive right into this next question. So the question is, what weaknesses have you overcome when accomplishing a difficult task? So this is a very interesting question because there's a lot of components to it that aren't necessarily universally true. For example, a weakness that I may have is not the same weakness that someone else may have. And I think that everyone knows this, but I wanted to say it because it all begins and ends in the mind. You know, what, it, what even what I would consider to be a difficult task is only my outlook on that, that task. It's not difficult, nor is it easy. It's just, it just is. And, you know, that, that's really true for a lot of different things in life. Everything exists as it is. It's just our perception that changes it. And, you know, to answer the question, what well, weaknesses have I overcome when accomplishing a difficult task? Well, when there's, a, there, when there's a task that I would perceive to be difficult, the weakness always is in my mind. The weakness always is that I don't believe in myself enough to accomplish that task. Maybe I don't think I'm good enough. Maybe I see other people who can accomplish it, but, you know, I don't think I'm as good as them. There's always some sort of comparison going on. And I think that the weakness is always overcome after realizing that it was a weakness to begin with. So I think that I have to recognize that it's all begins and ends in the mind. And then afterwards, when I'm in a, when I'm in a similar situation, I can look back on the time when I've quote unquote failed and realize that if I change my perception of this, it'll change the outcome. So in summary, I would say that in order for you to overcome a weakness, you have to put yourself in a situation where that weakness arises multiple times over. And it's never going to be fixed like once. It's never going to be, you know, you're never going to, you know, experience that weakness. And the next time you come back to it, it's going to be fixed like that. Never. It's always going to take multiple times of you putting yourself in those situations where that perceived weakness is, you know, rises to the top and presents itself. Then you can kill it. You know, it has to show itself before you can kill it. That's a very vegan analogy. I also think that you can set yourself up for these difficult tasks that you may already see coming to be a lot easier. You know, I find for myself that any task becomes much more difficult if I don't have a solid morning routine going. You know, if I don't get my morning right, then anything I do later on in the day now becomes a difficult task, even if before those tasks were menial. They were super easy. It could be as simple as you know, making sure that my meals are correct. You know, that's now a difficult task because my morning wasn't right. 
or and and that set off my mood so my mood is now not right and now everything is just a domino effect now everything's a difficult task so really you have to start off by recognizing what makes you think that a task is difficult to begin with so for me i understand that when my mornings are not right and by not right i mean i have a bunch of different criteria that i have to hit in my mornings in order for me to feel good and you know that's just my perception of it that's what i've decided for myself because i've noticed that's what works best you don't have to have criteria for yourself this is just what works for me in the morning if i can get outside right away if i can breathe some fresh air if i can get some like water in me right away if i can wash my face do some stretching all those little things sort of add up to me having a much higher chance of a good outlook on the rest of the day so you have to understand what works for you and what is it that leads up to you believing that a task is difficult so yeah i feel like that's my answer to the question i think this is a very good question and a very difficult one to answer i didn't really know where to begin or how to tackle this i i'll be honest i had to pause recording for a long time to think about it because I couldn't understand really how to how to approach this because weakness and difficulty is so subjective that it's very difficult to give an answer that I feel like could relate to people. Because, um, you know, depending on how difficult I think something is, someone else may think it's not difficult at all. And in fact, difficulty is all perceived by yourself. So whatever you decide to be difficult will be difficult and the reverse is true. And same thing with weakness, you know, I can decide that this is a weakness and it's a weakness or I can decide that it's not and it's not. It's as simple as that. Your mind will manifest whatever you believe to be true uh, in every area of life or so I believe, right? Because at the end of the day, everything is just a belief. And I tried to explain this in my YouTube video about John Venus, which, by the way, got a lot more love than I expected it to. So I appreciate that if you've seen it. But, uh, you know, I made a YouTube video responding to John Venus no longer being vegan. And I just sort of explained that, obviously, from my perspective, taking the life of another being is not a personal choice to make. But from his perspective, maybe he doesn't value animals in the same way that I do. So therefore, taking the life of something else to keep him healthy and his son healthy is actually a valid choice and not and it is actually a personal choice um, even though if I can so strongly believe from my perspective that it is not because I deem the animal to be alive and I deem the animal to have value whereas he may not and that's completely valid for from his perspective and that's the same thing with everything in life I've started to realize that your view on everything is all personal that no one necessarily shares the same views as you and no one should share the same views as you that's why forcing your views upon someone else is never the right way to do it you have to lead by example and show other people that you know these are my views and this is how i live my life and if you feel like that this you know aligns with what you believe in life too then feel free to you know, do the, do as I do or whatever it may be. By the way, if you've made it this far, this podcast is definitely going longer than 25 minutes. So I hope you guys are enjoying so far. I know I am. This is really making me think and expand my mind. I've actually, you know, this is a quote unquote difficult task because I don't necessarily believe in my ability to really cover these topics as well as I think I should. So I just need to change that. I need to change that. I need to tell myself that you know this task is only as difficult as I can make it out to be you know if I think that this is easy and I'm completely capable of talking about these questions and answering these questions then I'll be able to so I just need to switch that mindset and you know this recording this podcast won't be as difficult as uh you know I'm currently perceiving it to be because this is a very complex there's so many different areas of this especially the last question so good luckily these next two questions aren't not as complicated as, and complex as the previous one so let's get right into them my brain needs a bit of a break um because that was intense that was definitely intense 
So this question is the best and slash hardest part of building muscle and working out. Now, the best and hardest part, like I've already discussed, is a completely personal and subjective view. There is no universal best and hardest part of building muscle. There's just what I believe to be the best and hardest part of building muscle. Just know that whenever I'm talking, it's always a subjective and, uh, you know, it's always from my perspective. It's always something that I believe to be. Always start off with my podcast with, I believe that this is true. This is not necessarily universally true. It's just what I believe to be true. And my opinions and views will change in the future as I get more knowledge and hear other people's viewpoints. But right now, the best and hardest part. So I'll start off with the hardest part. The hardest part of building muscle and working out. Actually, this question's a bit sneaky because there's really four questions in one. The hardest part of building muscle, the hardest part of working out, the best part of the best part of building muscle and the best part of working out. So it's a little bit sneaky. I respect that, but I'm going to be answering all four. I'll just give my brief thoughts. So the hardest part of building muscle is to eat enough food and continue to eat as clean as I want to while also being in the calorie surplus that is needed to actually notice differences. Now you can easily, you know, get defined if you're, you know, just eating the same amount of calories or not eating in that calorie surplus that is required for that sort of size gain. But especially as an athlete, I'm not really too concerned about size. I'm really just worried about the performance of my muscles um, on the pitch and how that translates and how my workouts translate to the field. So, you know, I've already talked about this in the first question, but there's a few more points I want to touch on. And just, you know, there's a bit of a dilemma when it comes to building muscle, you know, building muscle is natural, but when it becomes unnatural is when you're force feeding yourself and you're overeating uh, just so that you can be in a calorie surplus. When you're eating, when you don't feel like it, I feel like that's very unnatural unless you've got some sort of disorder where, you know, you don't feel like eating or you always feel like eating. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about the regular person who has to overeat and eat when they're not actually hungry in order to be in a calorie surplus. I feel like it's very unnatural and not necessarily healthy for you. No, I don't have any scientific research on hand to back that up, but just based off how I feel, you know, like a lot of the times the processed food and the food that isn't necessarily very good for you or very natural is the food that we gravitate towards when we're looking to get something in that's high calories. So that's a little bit of a dilemma that I have with building muscle, especially when it exceeds the point of, uh, you know, natural growth. Um, but yeah, I would always say, eat foods that are high in energy, you know, that don't require a lot of energy to be digested so that they're giving you a net positive return. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I think a lot of animal foods don't have that. I think that when you're eat, digesting meat, I think it requires a lot of energy and therefore your the energy return is almost negligent, if not a deficit. Uh, that is why, that is one of the reasons why I'm vegan, aside from the ethical reasons, but that's one of the reasons why, because a lot of vegan foods are natural and, and, you know, can be found in nature and really provide you with a boost of energy because they don't require the, uh, you know, the same amount of energy to be, dig to be digested. But that's a, that's a total side note. That's a tangent that I'm not about to go on. I'm going to get onto the next part of the question. The hardest part of working out, I would say is definitely... Uh, you know, working out when you don't feel like it. And I feel like what really helps with this is having someone train me or working out with a friend. Maybe it's even getting on a call and doing a FaceTime workout. I did that a lot during quarantine. That's actually how I got uh, motivated to work out and start building up that momentum to work out. As soon as I start working out, I feel like working out. But getting over the, but getting past the period of, you know, let's say you're in a state of not wanting to work out, to get from there to wanting to work out, it requires, um, you know, either great mental strength which requires time to build up which you probably don't have which i definitely don't have or it requires an outer source to push you and that outer source could be you know a friend which is exactly how i got through this entire quarantine and it's what really motivated me so i got on facetime calls we did workouts together we created a plan everything was great and it really motivated me 
to continue working out because it was a little bit of competition as well. You know, even if it's not an outright competition, there's always competition, you know, when you're doing something with someone else um, like like that in that example. So that's definitely the hardest part. I feel like a lot of people, I feel like for a lot of people, the hardest part of working out is finding what exercises to do. And here's what I would say. The same way that I found making, like the best way to make content is to just start and then worry about perfecting it later. The same thing applies to working out. Just start working out. Start moving your body in a way that is challenging for you and worry about the little details of like what exercises to do to do when or like the sequence of them. Worry about that all later. Once you start to build a foundation of working out to begin with, let's say you're already there though, and you are at the place where you've got the foundation and you are looking for, you know, resources to uh, improve your workout circuits, don't spend too much time on them, really. Like if you, the more time you spend, the less time, the more time you spend researching, the less time you have to spend working out. Uh, don't let the research um, infringe on your time allotted for working out. So that's my advice. That's what I would say you know, maybe the hardest part of working out really is mental. It, it always is mental, but there's different nuances to that mental barrier that is uh, created for you. So let's get right into the next part of the question, which is the best part of building muscle. And the best part of building muscle always is confidence. You know, the there's something interesting about human beings and how we associate, uh, you know, larger muscles with confidence. And I feel like it's an ease of, of movement, par- partially an ease of movement and also partially the, the confidence in yourself that you're able to deal with situations in like a very on a very primitive level like <laughs> like you feel if something were to happen you would be more capable of dealing with that situation uh if you have bigger muscles or you're stronger or whatever it may be so that just that just creates a sort of subconscious uh, sort of subconscious confidence in yourself that uh you know may or may not be there if you didn't have that muscle but you know this is just a personal thing that's what i experience this is not true for everyone you may have different reasons uh for why the best part of building muscle is and i think also the best part of building muscle actually though this is the next part of the question the best part of working out is it's a stress reliever it makes me feel very happy it makes you know it, may, it gives me motivation to do other things in life that i may or may not have wanted to do before it uh makes difficult tasks easy you know all these different benefits mood improver everything but i'm sure you already know this so that's my answer to that secretly four-part question. Thank you for submitting that, I appreciate it. All right, and the final question is, how important is diet and what have you found works for you? Um, Okay, so this is a very, very good question because I think diet is number one uh, because I believe that in order to even begin to attempt to have a good, uh, a positive mindset on things in life, you have to feel good in your own body. And I think that a lot of it comes from your diet, not necessarily working out or having muscle. I think it all stems from your diet and what you're putting into your body, because what you're putting into your body is what's going to fuel your body to do those things. It's going to fuel your cognitive, cognitive function. So if you're putting trash into your body, you're going to have a trash outlook on life. You're going to have trash cognitive function. And, you know, ultimately it's a longevity thing as well. You know, I think that diet uh, and longevity overrides any other goal I have in life. It's always longevity and diet first. Everything else comes second in terms in like in this arena of life. Obviously, I'm not talking about like family and everything. I'm just talking about this arena of life uh, in the more like health, nutrition, everything. Diet and longevity is my number one criteria to be checked off when I'm doing any research or when I'm about to implement anything into my life. And the very interesting thing about diet and nutrition is that it's still heavily studied and still not very well understood. So I think that the most important thing is to get anecdotal evidence from people around you and really experiment on yourself and figure out what works for you. Now, 
saying that you should get anecdotal evidence could be dangerous because there are some things that, uh, you know, are anecdotally true in the short term, but may have detrimental effects in the long term. So I would say supplement the anecdotal, I guess, uh, I don't know, references with actual scientific research and come to conclusions on your own. Biggest part of it is experimenting and seeing really what works for you. What works for me is eating a low processed foods diet and eating high, you know, uh, I guess, uh, raw foods. I think that's really what works for me and really what makes me feel happiest, what makes me feel like I have the most energy and the most uh, motivation to do things. It just really brightens my day when I'm eating foods that give me energy. So like salads, fruit, um, I don't know. I can't think of any like, yeah, salads and fruit and maybe this isn't necessarily raw, but like rice bowl stuff with a lot of veggies in it. And, you know, just generally food that can be sourced from nature. As soon as I start eating any processed meats or bread, it all makes me feel slow. I can feel it. I can feel it really affect me. Now that may just be because I'm hyper aware. Um, and I've sort of built it over time. Maybe I'm just hyper aware of how food affects me. But it could just be a universal thing too. I'm not too sure. Uh, I'm actually curious to see if if you guys feel the same way about this sentiment on processed foods and stuff like that. And the, you know the same thing applies to diet as what I've talked about earlier with working out. There's so much information out there that you can get really overwhelmed. I think it's better to just stick to a certain philosophy and live by that, and then experiment once you've got the foundations down. Uh, you know, I do, I don't think it matters what that philosophy is. I think that if your philosophy is I'm just gonna eat as many calories as I want, and it doesn't matter what the source is. I think that you will feel if that works or not for you. You know, try that out and see if that works because you know what? Maybe it does work for you. I don't know. I don't know the I don't know if there's a universal truth ever in life. I think that everything is super subjective. And you know, maybe eating processed foods does give you energy. Um, and you know, is good for your health markers or whatever you're getting tested. Um, but for me it doesn't work. And you know, I, I don't really know what else to add to this besides the fact that just experiment for yourself and find out really what works for you. Because um, I know what works for me is the more natural diet, the more uh, lighter foods, um, very into that, not into heavier foods like pastas and breads and processed meats and stuff like that. That never makes me feel good. But I've already said all this, so I'm just reiterating myself. Um, but yeah, how important is diet? Diet is number one. I've already said that as well. So yeah, actually kind of, kind of at the end of the question. Uh, wait, let me just pause and make sure that I haven't left anything out. Oh wait, let me talk about supplements really quickly. I think that supplements are interesting and I don't think that they are necessarily uh, necessary to be taking, but there are a few vitamins and minerals to be taking just to make sure that you're not missing out on them. I think for anyone, regardless of what diet or diet you're following, some supplements are always important and some are extra important for athletes like zinc and iron because they're depleted when we're working out. So um, you just want to make sure that you're getting your, you know, RDI, is that the recommended daily intake or something like that? I don't know. But the RD, the the recommended amounts per day, you want to make sure that you're getting all of them in because you will start to notice and you may not even realize, but some of the issues you have in life um, may be related to mineral uh, and vitamin deficiencies. You may not even realize that your lack of, uh, that your ability to or sorry, your lack of ability to focus, your lack of focus, I don't know, but let's say you get, have a hard time focusing on things that may not be ADHD or whatever the, the, um, diagnosis is from a doctor. It may actually be a vitamin or mineral deficiency that you didn't even realize you had. So for this, you really just have to research on your own and ask your doctor, I guess, to get your blood tested and figure out what deficiencies you may have. Also take a look at your diet. I'd recommend maybe tracking what you eat for a week and see what, uh, 
um, what minerals you're missing and uh, you know some some if you're missing them research what foods contain these and try adding them into your diet I think that diet's number one I think all of our issues or not all of them but a lot of our issues that we may not even realize actually come from uh, our, our diet and what we're putting into our bodies so yeah that's my answer to that question I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this episode this was a long episode this took me a long time to record I took so many breaks because I had a uh, these questions were very these questions required a lot of different uh, angles and uh, you know there's probably still so many angles that I'll as soon as I'm done recording as soon as I upload it I'll be like ah oh, shoot I wish I talked about this part but you know that's why I continue to make episodes to eventually I'll cover everything um, that I want to cover so once again thank you so much for submitting the questions thank you for listening and uh, yeah that wraps up the podcast I'm gonna go take a nap because I am tired so don't forget to live life complex and take naps all right peace out